travellers and welcome to podcast 99. We've nearly got to 100 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Mick Webb, and me, Simon Calder. And this week we're talking about breakfasts, a travel topic that doesn't get the attention it deserves, I'd say. I mean, it launches the traveller into the day's exploration and challenges, and if you're trekking or cycling, the day's perspiration. So in this podcast, we're reminiscing about our best and worst breakfasts, trying to build up an identity kit picture of an ideal start to the travel day. And um, as you might have guessed, we are breakfasting as we speak. I've forgotten how nice croissants tasted, and I'd also forgotten uh, what a terrible mess they can make of your trousers. Now, um, we are sitting outside the Brickwood, one of several cafes in the recently gentrified South London district of Ballam, SW12. It was immortalised in 1958 by Peter Sellers in a spoof travel documentary, Belham Gateway to the South. The only eatery at that time was allegedly the El Morocco Tea Room, where everything on the menu, honey, milk, tea, rolls, butter, jam, was off dear, apart from the bread. Not like that here, though, is it, Simon? It certainly isn't. Just having a look at the uh, menu, we've got, of course, the absolutely regulation. All oh, the waitress there bringing out some avocado on sourdough toast with poached eggs. Uh, looks absolutely delicious, but yes, as you say, you are merely at the moment distributing crumbs across your jacket and much of um, London SW12. <laughs> But it's a very different breakfast experience from one of our very first podcasts, Tales from the A23, which we just have to revisit. For the purposes of the breakfast order, you became Mr Beans. I believe I was Mr Tomatoes. Uh, he's Mr. Beans. I'm Mr. Beans. I'm Mr. Oh, I'm Mr. Beans. I'm Mr. Beans. There you so. go. Oh, I was going to say he's hungry because he's cycled. Where have you cycled from? Uh, actually, only Causton Town, which is a station I've never been to before. Really? Yes. We are today in the Full Monty Cafe on an unremarkable stretch of roads on the outskirts of the South London suburb of Causton. It's really a suburb of a suburb. Yet, I think this, Mick, is not just an important staging post for travellers on the A23, uh, which is the subject of today's podcast, number seven, I think, but also very dear to your heart. Indeed, just down the road from the Full Monty Cafe, uh, in fact, before it was even um, invented, I think it was called The Sun, another cafe in those days, I used to stand shivering in the cold waiting for the 405 or the 414 bus to take me to school. And I might say, without the benefit of a splendid breakfast which we've just had, uh, yes, the, the the Mont. There is a full Monty, of course, two eggs, two bacon, two sausage, two fried sliced beans and tomatoes, a bubble and squeak and chips or hash browns, a slice of toast and tea and coffee. Um, we just, I'm afraid, went for the Mont, which is just two bacon, one sausage, one egg, one fried slice. And you had beans, I had tomatoes, and that was quite enough delicious, though it was. It was. But the main purpose of the podcast, as you suggested, was to talk about the A23, a road that, uh, for those who don't know it, connects London with Brighton. 
and very specifically the east side or the south side depending on how you're looking at it of Westminster Bridge so looking across to the Houses of Parliament Big Ben etc and the seafront at Brighton and that's a distance of about 53 miles. On the subject of which how many young women does it take to stretch from London to Brighton? Uh, that's a sort of question which I'm not sure I am. I, I'm gonna, I think the term is take the fifth on that. Uh, well, it's 53 because a miss is as good as a mile. Ah, good. Okay. <laughs> I remember that from a childhood comic. I mean, obviously, uh, they don't write them like that anymore and they're probably not allowed to either. Those were indeed the days, and I suppose there's one way in which we can say we've gone up in the world since that podcast, just pre-pandemic. We're now two years on, just a bagel throw from the A24 rather than beside the A23, which was where that excellent full Monte Cafe was, and I'm very glad to say still is. And we have certainly clocked up a few more podcasts, another 95 by my reckoning. Um... By the way, have we had any response to our most recent one, the Survival Guide to Museums? Well, Keith very kindly got in touch and simply said, quite enigmatically, it's been too long, guys. So I don't know what he meant by that. But, uh, of course, you, if you have missed it, you can, um, you can go back and listen to uh, Podcast 98 and, indeed, all the others as well at anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there. Uh, yeah, coffee's for uh, me and the for him. Thank you. Well, that's a reminder of what we're supposed to be talking about breakfast. Let's start with the um, the very best we've ever had. You begin, Mick. You've had more than me. <laughs> I suppose if not uh, any greedier than you, I do tend to prefer a rather uh, broader spread of breakfast ingredients. So um, unlike you, I'm not happy with just uh, three litres of water and four uh, large French baguettes before I start on my day trekking. Um, but my uh, my favourite, uh, well, certainly my longest uh, ever breakfast, and I don't know if it's my favourite because I didn't actually manage to get to the end of it, was at an extremely posh Mexican hotel uh, on the Riviera Maya, just outside the ever-expanding city of Playa del Carmen, in this kind of gated um, hotel oasis called the Mayacoba, the hotel was the Fairmont Mayacoba, and it was ringed around by mangroves, although of course it had a very smart and probably important beach, and also a couple of golf courses. And to get from your luxuriously appointed apartment to the uh, restaurant where the incredible breakfast buffet was, you could either uh, grab a bicycle or indeed wait for a golf cart which took the lazier guests um, around the very extensive site. Uh, But the breakfast itself was something else. And I've actually, um, I've printed off a a menu, uh, and this is uh, an up-to-date menu because, uh, although when I went it was a few years ago, uh, this one talks about we ask you to um, use a face covering uh, all the time, except when you're at your table. Um, And anyway, here we are, this is the some of the breakfast stuff, uh, fresh juices and smoothies, uh, meats, cured meats and cheeses, fantastic array of breads and pastries and jams, 
uh, fresh fruit, some of which were so exotic I had no idea what they were, and those wonderful Mexican accompaniments, frijoles, refried beans, and, and lots of small pieces of uh, very well-fried bacon, and, and salsa, particularly guacamole, which is, uh, of course, a favorite here in, in Balam as well. Uh, anyway, there are loads of other things as well, and, and I was at a table full of um, greedy hacks because a number of us journalists had been invited to this hotel as uh, guests, as we say, of British Airways, who just inaugurated a new flight from Gatwick to Cancun. And unfortunately, having got there at eight o'clock, we were called away at uh, 10 o'clock to go and visit some uh, boring site, uh, whereas actually we would have loved to have stayed there till midday and uh, eaten our way through the card. Well, I love the uh, La Sensacion uh, Diaria del Jefe, the, yes, the daily sensation of the chef. Well, as it's a few years since I was there, I really can't remember for the life of me what the, uh, the chef's daily sensation was, although I can reveal that it is um, continually renewed or uh, refreshed. It all looks absolutely great. I'm just looking at the price. 660 pesos, which is about 20 American dollars, so about 15 pounds. And that, that would set you up for life. Well, at least for the rest of the day. It sounds absolutely glorious. I love the idea of the um, the, the, the golf cart um, uh, delivering breakfast. Um, that wasn't a golf cart, by the way, everybody. Um, and, and I was at the Westgate River Ranch in Florida just in December. And you stay in a, in a, in a very nice, well, people call it glamping. I really don't uh, like that term. Um, but they do come around with your breakfast in the morning. It cost about... I think £150 for the night. Um, so given these days American prices, not, not too bad at all. And yes, somebody delivers. It was a very unmemorable breakfast, but being able to sit out by the remains of the campfire, the glow of the embers, oh, yeah. eating your breakfast on a fine Florida morning was um, was lovely. And then I, I, maybe that my, uh, my memory banks are receding, but an utterly great way to start the year as i mentioned in a previous podcast was at the sun hotel in lancaster which is where i woke up on new year's day um and the uh, great breakfast there is the garden breakfast and i believe i may have called this a vegan breakfast that was a mistake everybody because i now see it contained grilled tomatoes grilled mushrooms roasted peppers baked beans halloumi not very vegan but delicious poached egg ditto and then of course avocado toast with rocket leaves the breakfasts that really count though are those that set you up for a day's activity so i'm really just taken back to the pyrenees mick and um uh, staying in generally one star hotels where you get no choice the bread perhaps isn't that day's bread but it comes with loads of jam endless um, cafe au lait and by the end of that you are ready to face the um, uh, the next ascent i think that's a very good point and uh, if you have a big enough table you can eat your way through as much stale bread as they're prepared to give you which is usually plenty while unfolding to its full extent one of those terrific french ign maps uh, and getting a very good idea of the uh, the day's challenges that are ahead of you. The best of these maps 
most expensive ones have uh, full color and some very clever shading which gives you uh, quite a good idea of the uh, uh, incredibly steep uh, mountain sides which you're going to have to scale and to put off that evil moment you can usually refill your cup as many times as you want with what is uh, not often particularly good coffee but at least it's liquid and it's usually hot which country do you think does breakfast best i'm taken of course with the a great american breakfasts and in particular um the the 24-hour diner and it almost doesn't matter where you are it certainly doesn't matter what time of day it is and you just go in and you are greeted by a very friendly host and you are then served with this just mountain of of food pancakes eggs um over easy or however you like them scrambled um and my top favorite is the 11th street diner in miami beach which of course is a very very touristy location but uh, it is genuinely a piece of american history it is genuinely chrome plated and you sit there and you just feel that you're you're taken back um to the mid 20th century i guess but at the same time as enjoying a feast um pausing only to remember to tip at least 20 percent on top of what's actually uh, pretty reasonable prices um and that's at um 1065 washington avenue for next time you are there you can't miss it and you can imagine i presume the uh, the pink befinned cadillacs passing the window you munch away. I think the surroundings actually in which you have your breakfast are really quite important but uh, but to answer your question I think it's best to look for somewhere where international uh, uh, tourism hasn't cast its blanket influence over everything and there is still a uh, uh, more than a hint of the homemade the homegrown and the and the homely uh, so I would suggest that uh, the best place to go for a fantastic breakfast is a tiny Croatian village, a hamlet really, called Serni Lug, which I think means Black Lake, which is in a mountainous uh, northern part of, of uh, Croatia near the Slovenian border. And there you will find a guest house called Kod Korita. And the breakfast that it uh, provides is, I suppose you'd call it a continental one, but I'm going to call it Balkan because I think it uh, suggests something a bit different. Lots of ham, cheese, sausage, etc. But pretty well all the uh, ingredients of the Cod Carita breakfast were home produced or, if not that, extremely locally sourced and utterly delicious. Uh, the blueberry jam was... Uh, so different from the one you can um, buy up the road here at Sainsbury's um, because the owners had a blueberry farm and you can't get much fresher than from your own farm and um, then there was uh, home grown or home produced honey amazing bacon and sausage which I think came from a farm up the road and eggs which really were freshly laid from the uh, small holding next door it was all absolutely great and the surroundings uh, i suppose the context of it was fantastic as well the owner danielle who was a compulsive communicator even though uh, his english was not particularly good he was an architect in fact and had built this uh, this guest house himself um, he'd once been a bear hunter but was now a bear protector and over breakfast 
he showed us a video of him feeding um, a wild bear cub a couple of hundred meters from where we were sitting. And meanwhile, Shapa, his dog, Shapa means paws because of the size of this uh, funny long haired dog's feet. It just kept appearing um, at my feet with a grotty old tennis ball, which I'd stupidly thrown for her the previous day, despite warnings that I'd never be able to get rid of her if I did it. Uh, but I did, and I couldn't. Um, and then there was freshly made coffee by the gallon, and this being Croatia, a post-breakfast home distilled brandy into the bargain. <laughs> uh, yes, and I guess we need to put in a health warning about um, uh, feeding small bears, bears of any any size. Please don't, please don't try this, and um, uh, please, please don't drink brandy before you're doing anything difficult of a morning. Um, but your lovely description, uh, I guess, needs to be the, the counterpoint to that is really, really terrible breakfast. What, and, what have, you, have you had any? Oh yes, my mine. It is the airport um, at Kangalusak in Greenland. Which, uh, why were you eating breakfast in an airport? Because it was the only place in this very sad town. Uh, Greenland is it, 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 it's. Uh, a glum sort of place um, and uh, this is at the airport at a NATO base and it was really important during the Cold War and of course all the Americans have now kind of left and they served you a very unappetizing kind of stale bread and bacon sandwich where they charged you per rasher but a ludicrous amount, something like one pound per rasher of bacon because you're in Greenland and everything costs a fortune. It was awful. And then we got on this um, very, very nice um, old Polish ferry converted to a uh, to an adventure ship, which actually was great because although the cruise was appallingly well, badly run, um, and if you want to just search online for Simon Calderworth's holiday, you'll, you'll find it. I think it was titled <laughs> North Korea on Sea. But the actual mechanics of providing us with astonishingly good breakfast and meals for the rest of the day, carried out by the largely Colombian crew of this Miami-registered ship, was, um, was marvellous, especially after that uh, terrible start in Greenland. Um, your, your worst one. Hmm. Well, I tend not to remember... Uh, terrible food experiences while traveling. I think it's a bit like um, uh, mothers are supposed to uh, not recall the pain of uh, childbirth so they will actually um, carry on and have another go. But there was one which comes from a time many years ago when I was uh, working as an ultrasonics engineer's mate. Something I've bored you with many times in the past but this was my very first um, foray as uh, as an ultrasonics engineer's mate and myself and my boss Chris who was a proper ultrasonics engineer flew out to Panama and then we had to get on board or join as they said this uh, this Norwegian bulk carrier which was waiting to transit the Panama Canal and when we got on board the first thing that happened was that we were invited to have breakfast by the captain. The challenge for me was that Chris had told me that I had to make it look as though I was a very experienced ultrasonics engineer's mate because the Norwegian ship's owners were paying top dollar for our services and Chris didn't want to make it look as though he'd brought the uh, work experience student along. 
which indeed was what I was. Anyway, do excuse me while I um, search for my uh, diary entry of what happened at the breakfast. Breakfast presented a daunting challenge as we sat down with the new shipmates who I needed to convince of my non-existent maritime credentials. All were middle-aged Norwegians. The captain, the chief engineer, the first mate, the radio operator, and for some reason, the radio operator's wife, who was the only woman on board. The conversation was slightly stilted, which suited me, but we confirmed that after transiting the canal, the ship was bound for Mobile in Texas, and that it had been carrying molasses, which explained the heavy, sweet smell which hung in the air and made breakfast even more of an ordeal. It was full on Norwegian and included buttermilk, rye bread, pickled herrings and some kind of fish soup. None of these could be counted as my favourite foods at any time of the day, but I tried manfully to make a seaman-like impression on them. I was sitting directly opposite the captain, who was telling us an anecdote about his last visit to Mobile in an engagingly sing-song English, larded with Norwegian expressions, when I became aware of the round porthole behind him. One moment, the surface of the sea was halfway up it. The next moment, as the ship rolled gently in the Pacific swell, it had gone. Like a goldfish bowl, it was half filled, then empty, then half full again. My head and stomach began to communicate disquiet to one another, and I felt perspiration on my face. Half full, empty, half full, empty, half full. Have some fish soup, it is very good, sang someone, pushing the terrine towards me, and providing the final straw. Excuse me, uh, toilet, I managed to gasp, before pushing back my chair, and after a brief struggle with the heavy door, escaping into the fresh air. Well, I'll spare you the rest of it because uh, I don't want to put you off your breakfast. That's great. I um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and uh, how, how, um, I, I, I think we have to have a special category for aviation um, because most breakfasts oh. on flights, whether they're long or short, are terrible. Um, and generally, the longer the flight, the worse the breakfast because it's usually an omelette that was prepared several days earlier yeah. and has been reheated. Um, but, uh, well, it would be lovely to hear people's stories of, of great airline breakfasts if there are such things on other airlines. There may well be, I guess, in other classes. Um, oh, in yes. business class, you might well get something um, a little bit special. Of course, you can uh, tweet us at you should have BT or leave us an audio message anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there. Let's move on now, as promised, to the essential ingredients that would make up the ideal breakfast. I would, of course, start with croissants. I cannot tell you how enjoyable it has been over the many years that I've uh, visited France, going to the boulangerie to queue up and to get lovely fresh croissants or equally lovely pain au chocolat or pain au raisin. And even better, if you happen to be at a campsite where the, uh, the van, the bread van comes round, um, queuing up to collect these um, without walking more than 100 meters from your tent. However, now I'm thinking about it, I actually think that the uh, absolutely delicious um, Catalan pan am tomaquette, uh, a sort of slightly toasted bread which is brushed with 
um, olive oil, garlic, and, and then rubbed with the juice from a tomato would actually give my uh, croissant a good run for its money. Uh, yes, I, I'm very, very keen on, on um, eggs for breakfast. Not the sort of thing that I eat very much um, at, at any other uh, time, but beautifully poached eggs. And yes, they do go very, very well with um, uh, crushed avocado. And uh, talking eggs, if we were to have a category for extreme breakfasts, I would certainly put forward the Mexican dish huevos rancheros which essentially are uh, fried eggs with a serious additional dose of hot chili. Maybe to go alongside the uh, Croatian brandy. Ah, and then there's Spain's churros con chocolate, something I'd almost forgotten but must have a part in, uh, in an essential breakfast and particularly good after a, a, a night out, which of course in Spain really does mean a night out. Churros, if you don't know them, are um, batter, sort of sticks, I suppose, deep fried till they're a golden brown and then um, lavishly sprinkled with sugar and then eaten with a cup of hot chocolate. And uh, the hot chocolate, by the way, isn't the sort of thing that you might get in Starbucks. This is highly viscous. It has the consistency of thick custard or emulsion. Ah, yes, you're quite right. It, it begs to be stirred like a pot of paint or eaten with a spoon, although what you're really supposed to do, of course, is dip your churros into it. It's, um, it's hard to imagine uh, any breakfast ingredient that is quite so bad for your health and yet good for your spirit. But in terms of healthy breakfast, I guess you have to look for Germany, but they are just so drab because it is just this very, very wholesome bread, um, black bread very often with you know, these ham laid out, a bit of cheese, and it's all just very kind of, mm, uh, as opposed to the highly indulgent uh, Spanish one. But I guess the breakfasts reflect the character of the location you are in. Yeah, so uh, what do you think our, our, our breakfast says about um, our location or our location says about our breakfast? And I should say that uh, as well as the excellent Brickwood Cafe where we are at the moment, um, uh, just looking around, I can see at least three other uh, cafes and eateries where we could have had our breakfast uh, all arranged along this short, uh, semi-pedestrianised uh, road. Well, I guess that this is a celebration of multiculturalism, really. Um, and, of course, air travel. We're just under the flight path for the southern runway at Heathrow, the plane coming in there, no doubt bearing avocados for uh, later consumption at breakfast. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking inside the cafe. We're obviously sitting outside. Um, and it seems pretty de rigueur to have not just a laptop but an Apple MacBook um, while you are while you are consuming your, uh, yeah. uh, your 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 flat white, eating your croissant, and well, maybe you, you dipping might... a fork into your avocado and poached egg. Ah, right on cue. Here's a white van arriving, presumably to replenish the supplies of uh, avocados. But I think that's enough of. Uh, breakfasts for today. I shall go and pay in a minute, you'll be glad to know. Uh, and next week is going to be our 100th podcast. What on earth are we going to do to celebrate it? 
I'd like to think we'll get a message from the Queen, but uh, I'm not going to hold my breath. Oh, there's all kinds of um, anniversaries, centenaries indeed this year. hundred years of Jaguar cars, hundred years, of course, of the BBC, whoever they are, um, and one hundred years of water skiing. Um, but if you've got your own one hundred that you would like to tell us about, of course, we'd love to hear that at You Should Have BT on Twitter or Anchor.fm forward slash You Should Have Been There, and we'll maybe talk about great one hundred mile journeys, of which I have a few up my sleeve. We'd love to hear about yours, and maybe even one hundred kilometer journeys. So until then, from me, Mick Webb, and me, Simon Calder. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.